Welcome to episode six of The Slide Area, the podcast, all things slide guitar. I'm your host, Ed Pedersen. We've made it to episode six already? Wow. Well, I guess it's time to break out some heavy artillery. This episode, I've been holding out on you, gang. I've had this one in the can for a while, and it's time to unleash the mighty, mighty Sonny Landreth is our guest this episode, and um, Sonny is known worldwide for good reason. He's just, his technique is unbelievable. His touch, his uh, breadth of vocabulary on the slide guitar. Some people think he's invented a few different techniques, and whether that's true or not, he's certainly adapted them widely in a modern context and taking the slide guitar to new realms. And um, for me, it's truly an honor because I would say that Sonny is the one that really, really sucked me into slide guitar and finally learning it myself after years of procrastinating. So sit back and listen to the master, Sonny Landreth. You know, you just alluded to you know, this magical thing on our fingers and going from standard to, to open tunings. So what was he like? You started on regular guitar, standard tuning, yes? Oh, yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. Years... I played that on through. Uh, well, I just kind of finally gave up about maybe 10 years ago, eight, nine years ago. <clears throat> um, and I'm not saying I'm doing it for good, but... I just, at one point, I realized that was my greater potential, and by putting that energy into slide guitar, you know, then I I would just do better with it. And uh, <clears throat> by then, I had enough friends who, I feel they had the, the other approach uh, well covered, you know, <laughs> with a flat pick and regular guitar. So, and, um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for me, it was... Um, it was a beast to get started because in the first place I had no idea what it was. I, I'd only uh, read about it, you know, and it's my, um, as I was ushering, being ushered into the age of, um, you know, the awareness of the blues as a teenager, a big thing that happened back in the 60s. And, of course, my heroes like Eric Clapton and so forth, uh, they would talk about, you know, these great uh, American black musicians and and then that just pushed me even that much more. So long story short, I, I, I find myself um, listening to and studying and digging into the Delta Blues. And then I, of course, ran into the slide guitar thing. Um, had no idea how to do it. And of course, back in those days, there's no internet, so there's no uh, immediate answer to your question. <laughs> back in the good old days, you had to go drive you know, a couple of states over or whatever and, and see people play and experience that. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, so I, I, I had nothing really to draw from as far as watching anybody uh, do it. Right. And, um, it, it, was, it was a daunting, uh, daunting uh, task and road to set upon at that point. How many... Uh... How many years went once you made the switch from standard to to open? How many 
how many years how many years did it take you to feel confident where you could play out with people and how many how many hours a day were you practicing well the first thing is i never quit playing other you know the standard guitar and so what i was doing initially was adding to that by when i discovered the chordal tuning when i discovered a few things that that are made um uh, help make some strides with it. Yeah, it took, I guess that was 16, it took me about three years, um, you know, between three and four years to get the confidence. Uh, I mean, I, I almost, I didn't immediately add it to the, you know, like playing live, but within a few years I did. Mm-hmm. And I had like the slide song or something, and maybe one or two of the set for the whole night. And that was very frustrating because as I would practice and, and get it kind of down at home, what I wasn't prepared for was the transition in the heat of the moment uh, on a live gig. It's almost as if <laughs> it's like any knowledge I had or any advances I thought I made, they were out the window. They just weren't there to be called upon. And, uh, and so that was uh, probably the first major hurdle to overcome professionally with Right. I mean, that's just how it affected me. I have no idea if it's like that for anyone else. But um, then, um, then at one point, I, I, then I made the connection to have a dedicated guitar for it, and that was a huge step. Um, um, I'd already figured out by then that I needed heavier gauge strings, um, and you know, using the chordal tuning, and then have that set song or two in uh, uh, prepared song or two <clears throat> so that I went to that then the, the the actual touch which is just totally different in approach um, was more readily somehow that, that helped me um, trigger that because that was that's that particular guitar that I played on with those gauge strings with the tuning and so forth and to this day, I mean, I tell people, I, <clears throat> I get that question all the time, well, what can I do to help push me forward? And the first thing I always tell them is, if there's any way you can do it, it doesn't matter how cheap it is, as long as it's functional, you know, in terms of the quality of the bill, get you a, a separate guitar dedicated for a slide. Right. And uh, get the heavier gauge strings on there. It's going to put a release in the neck and you have a little height that you need to have. Because the formula of it all is actually getting the right combination of the weight of slide that you're using. And you should always use something you're comfortable with, no matter what else anybody else tells you. Mm-hmm. Metal, glass, or Pyrex, or uh, ceramic, or whatever, brass, whatever. It's whatever you know, you're drawn to and that you feel comfortable with. Then you want to balance the weight of your slide with the gauge of strings, and then you want to have the action uh, just right so that when you, you're laying the slide on the strings, they sustain and the action's not so high that you can't reach back and fret, you know, with this methodology that I have and, um, and still intonate. So those are right. the two things. So if it, pass, if it passes that test, then you, you've got it, you're, you're well in the ballpark, and then you begin to have a consistency 
that generates the results. And that's what you want, because then, I mean, when, as you know, when you finally make a, a, a step forward, it's, it's inspiring. And the nature of creativity, to tap into that, is the nature of the methodology, too, which is one thing leads to another. Right. And to really open up to that, then it may be six months later, maybe a year, maybe five minutes, you know, but open to that as a possibility, not, not only as a possibility, but uh, probability. And um, and that's how you, you truly begin to improve. And and what that does is it changes your, your uh, world view of it. You know, so then you're talking conceptually, and that's, that's probably the most important thing, really. <clears throat> right, right. And one of, <clears throat> that's one of the things that watching both of your lessons that I got early on, which definitely helped me personally take a leap forward, and I hope other people feel the same way, is that the, oh, go, go into the heavy strings. I use 13s with a 14 on top, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that's what feels good to me. That's where I feel the tone and the touch and everything. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, for me, I've tried the glass slide and... It's cool, you know, it's a sound, and but for me, like, you know, I'm a lunkhead, and I needed that extra heft, so I, I finally uh-huh. found a little, I was using a, a cut-down socket wrench for a while, an uh-huh. 11 sixteenths, but, but I found that, you know, for me, the brass worked because of the proper balance, like you said, between the strings and, uh-huh. that, and, that, and that slide. Um, now... Um, so that was really useful, and I'm glad you mentioned that again because I hope people watch your lessons are really paying attention to that because that definitely made me leap quite a bit forward. Oh, great. Well, I'm, I'm, it makes me feel good to know that. And, oh, man. And it's, you know, the proof, as they always say, is in the pudding, you know. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, well, you, you have that 14 on top. You need something with the heft, you know. That's gonna be. What tuning are you using for that? I, I yeah. use for, I use uh, open G and open D yeah. mostly. Yeah, there you go. Mostly. That, that's good. Those are the two. It'd that be I... pretty tough to get up to E on a regular basis, because what happens is that, that extra tension going up a whole step it starts to get wiggy on the neck and the nut. And I was popping it's strings. A strange, so that's 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 a and, and really those are my favorite sound of those. Are, still my favorite of all the tunings really yeah because the d has that little bit of a floppy thing going on yeah right and that's how you get that elasticity factor uh <laughs> it's so soulful you know it's spongy and you, you can lean into that and it just makes for a more um more soulful more interesting sound too <clears throat> the other thing too you know when you of course, you learn to not touch the frets because you want to have a clean sound. But then you begin to incorporate. I think I hit on some of that in those videos. And you can, as you're sliding up, you just press down just enough to hit the top of the fret to hit that buzz, and that adds a, a nice vocal growl. Yeah, I personally like that. I was watching a lot. Yeah, of, I was. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is another thing I bonded with your video on is because you know some of the earlier videos they were so uh, uh, preoccupied with getting rid of the, like... Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what I mean, right? Like, and, no, no, totally. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're killing me here because, like, I like that. And I'm sitting going, man, so what do I do? And then, thank goodness, I ran across your videos and I was like, oh, okay. 
If Sonny says Yeah, it's you know, I, I did the same thing. I mean, I was preoccupied with that, too, for so many years. And that was good because it taught me to, to, to play really clean. And that way you you achieve articulation. That's that's the goal there. By cleaning it up and being able to articulation, in particular, if you're playing multiple parts at the same time. Right. <clears throat> and... Um, like a lot of Delta cats, that's what I heard with their finger style. I, I was already well into Chad Atkins, and that's how I learned to do uh, finger style. So I basically, the way I heard it, I just took Chad Atkins' approach on the right hand, and then I added the, the slide on the left hand, and that, that's what really, oh. you know, put me on my path. And so, but you're right. Then along the way, I began to realize. <clears throat> You know, it's kind of like I got the cleaner sound, but I kind of, uh, I left all the interesting people out of the room <laughs> in the conversation, you know, and, uh, um, because you, also too, I was very adamant about damping behind the slide and just no unwanted noise at all. But um, as I began to realize where the character and all that was, then I, because I, I actually had, you know, achieved that, um, the cleaner, uh, you know, getting a cleaner sound and getting more articulation, then I could go begin to let that back into it. Yeah. And, um, you know, open up the, the left hand of the back of the fingers and let, let all those strings ring. <clears throat> and really hearing, and I could, we could hear those tones back there. So, well, now, what's going on back here? You know, I need to make use of this. How do you do that? And that that's really what, in addition to, you know, the fretting with the slide, behind the slide technique, that opened all that up, and, uh, and when it, when you when you use your fingers and you press behind the slide and you still have the slide uh, suspended above those strings that are floating, you open up those sounds uh, uh, automatically, and I could hear all those oscillations and overtones, and the complexity back there, and that, that's what really, um, I mean, discovering that technique was one thing, but even more with some of the other, uh, as I say, more interesting sounds come from the other, really they're sympathetic tones and um, <clears throat> just another world back there. That's kind of the wild side of things. And then, like you say, you know, it included the frets, it includes the strings rattling and um, all the overtones back there. Yeah, I love all that stuff. But I'm glad you went towards, uh, you know, because obviously... The one, every time I, I meet up with slide guys, and I mean, even, you know, I, I interviewed Johnny Highland the other day, and um, uh-huh. and I mean, that guy, you know. Uh, He's amazing. Oh, my God. And even he was like, man, you know, Sonny with that thing playing behind the, the, the slide. So I wanted to talk to you specifically about that because I, you know, like I said, saw the videos, but one thing that really tipped me off was... Uh, I was watching the Crossroads Festival the other day on uh, Palladia, and the cameraman, man, one of those cameramen got just the right, I mean, it was such a smart move. They got this angle of you playing behind the thing that I had never seen in a video before. And everybody asks me, and we all kind of, you know, grumble to each other, man, how's he doing that? Because some guys think you're lifting the slide a little bit to get, uh, to, get to those to those back fingers. But I don't think you are, are you? It's all a deafness, yeah? Right. And if what happens is when you get back to the basics, when you have the, the action uh, correct with 
um, the weight of your slides and with the tension, you know, right and release in the neck and so forth. Then as you, um, <clears throat> the slide stays, it's sort of like the mothership and it stays in place, for example, over the 12th fret. That's a good way to just go to that because it, it's easier to illustrate it and understand it perhaps. But uh, mm-hmm. So the slide is uh, across all six strings. And in a way, I, I kind of started thinking like this from playing piano, but just in that how you see everything from the overview. You're looking down, and then you see both hands, and you see the range of all the keys, and they're right there in front of you. And it's kind of the same thing in that the slide, just but with six strings only, <clears throat> you always have those six strings in play. And um, as you reach back, uh, for example, one finger or two fingers, as you when you fret behind it, then those strings obviously will go underneath the slide just by pressing the fret. Okay. And as the, as the slide hovers and stays in place, and and and, and by that I mean it's still uh, it's still active, and you're you know it's it's it has its weight on the strings, and they're and you're playing actual notes with the slide. It is still going right. They're like gotcha. sustaining. Then those fretted uh, strings go beneath the slide and then get out of the way. You can still keep the slide ringing with the slide notes. So it's a combination of those two things. So you have fretted notes, just one or two maybe, and then you have the other four, four to five strings ringing. Um, It just it sort of takes when you fret that string, it takes it out of play for the slide person itself per se but you can't be pressing down too hard on the slide then if you have to have just just the right amount of of, uh, pressure so that the notes you're engaging with the slide ring out okay and at the same time you're fretting and those uh and you, you have enough uh, range of motion you can reach back there and do that okay. and when you when you do that you the little finger stays in place that's sort of the foundation of the mothership as it were (laughs) (laughs) and um and it's it's always there it's always doing that so you don't sometimes you know i'll lift just to get an effect you know but but i in a in a perfect world in the base or maybe i should just say the basic technique is you don't you don't raise a slide at all because you have enough room to do that. So the challenge is to <clears throat> depend, uh, develop uh, the independence of those fingers that are going to fret, and it, that they don't take away from the um, from the uh, placement of the little finger. And right. if you think about it, when you make that movement, it's pretty weird because your your fingers are flexing. And those ligaments are going in, in a range of motion that's totally different than the, the little finger or the big finger, whatever you're using to play the slide right. on. Um, but it's doable. And, you know, uh, it just feels really weird at first. But with time, with, you know, those exercises are just playing and, and finding your way with it, then you get that independence that enables you to do that. And you're kind of doing two things at once, no doubt. Um, and it's a little, uh, a little bit. Of, it's a bit of a challenge at first, but but really, you you keep to it. And the idea is, you are keeping that slide in place. Your ear is the guide because you're here. You'll hear when it's going out of tune and a pitch. A certain amount of that is fine and cool for a vibe, but you really want to be able to do that, nail it, 
the thing is, those frets ain't going anywhere. I mean, they're there. So, you know, the part of the beauty and uh, the ugly part of slide is that you you have all those microtones in in between. So you're not limited to just a set position. But right. you know, the response the responsibility is you have to learn to control that so that it's you're you're pitching it in such a way that it's uh, it's dead on. So it's, it's again, it's way more uh, interesting and complex that way because you would now what you have is you have the tones from say from the slide. If you're looking at the twelfth fret again, like you would a piano, and looking at all the notes, and you have sound coming from the slide going back towards the bridge, and that's what you typically think of. That's where the sound is coming from. Well, meanwhile, on the other side of the slide, from the slide back to the nut to the headstock. You've got sounds and tones, and, and, and uh, you got stuff going on back there. So you're combining those tones in addition to the fretted notes, in addition to um, uh, there's some really cool side effects and oscillations that happen, and uh, and that just makes for a much more complex sound. And, and that's really that's the that's the heart of it for me. You know, that's what really makes the difference. Yeah, and I noticed that <clears throat> that's the part I've had to work the most on. I love the tones, those ghost notes that, you know, you uh-huh. call them back there and everything, but it really takes a deft touch. And um, for a while, that's why I'm glad we, we, we went into it a little bit, because I was lifting the slide, and I, and I was able to get behind it that way, just but it had to be just ever so slightly lifting it. Uh-huh. Um, but then I had to mute certain strings with my right hand fingers, right? Right. right. Yeah, well, you, you, you had that going on all the time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what I do, in particular, melodic passages, okay? you Any string that I'm not utilizing and playing a note on, my the other fingers or my thumb, it's just resting on the other strings. That's all it takes to mute it. And right. that's, that's a huge step in getting comfortable with that. Um, in terms of control, because really when you're talking slide guitar, you really, the control factor goes way up compared to regular, uh, you know, standard guitar. Right. Um, because of, you know, as we just mentioned, you know, that you have all the, <clears throat> you have the note that you're, you're siding and then everything in between, uh, all the microtones and microtonal properties of that. And, so um, control is huge, and, and finger guarding, at, you know, as you meant, call it, muting those strings, is huge for that. Uh, when you want like all six strings going, it's it's a little different because you're you're lifting the right hand fingers of the right hand uh, so that all that rings, and that's that's a gorgeous sound. And that again remind always reminded me of lifting, uh, pressing down the um, the pedal on the piano that we take the dampers off. Yep. And that's essentially what you're doing. So then you hear all those notes and tones ringing together. I always love that sound, uh, the effect of that, the ambience of that in piano. Absolutely. And that's what you're doing when you when you lift the fingers up. It's kind of like their own individual damping yeah. pedal. You know, that's an interesting on. way to look at that. Yeah, yeah. Now, how long did you have to work on that technique uh, how many years, how many hours a day were you specifically working on that, or did it come naturally? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I worked on a lot. But but what did 
did help is once I got understood the uh, principles of finger guarding. I mean, if there are two things that happen to you know, now that's getting back to control and, and the cleaner sound. That's what's good about that. It it it, it really commands. Uh, it really, I should say, demands uh, uh, control. And so you have uh, whatever fingers you're draping behind the slide to mute those, those tones when you don't want that. Then on the right, that's on the left hand. Then on the right hand, you have the finger guarding techniques. So that's uh, I just really worked on that a lot and. Um, Fortunately, the, the Chad Atkins, of, you know, as I had learned to play some of his songs when I was a kid, I mean, it just fit perfectly for the, all this. Yeah. Uh, it, it could have had better training in a way, or to set me up to, to be able to start doing that. There's no way I could have. <laughs> because what happens when you most people start trying to play the slide, you, you're fighting so many things at once. You're fighting discomfort. You're fighting pitch and, and intonation, you're fighting the angle of your hand, uh, and if you're not finger guarding, you're fighting all those unwanted strings all going in at the same time, and one, one, one string out of tune is bad enough, let alone, oh. you know, yeah. three to six. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> discouraging. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I did that, you know, it just, it just years of working on it again, or when you make when you make some headway with one thing, you, you're fired up and inspired to do something else. And, and uh, at one point, uh, it really does become second nature. I mean, I don't even think about it. I mean, I'm not thinking about which fingers are finger guarding. It just, it's just, right. it just, you know, it's muscle memory and, and instinct and all that comes together. And that's the point that you want to get to. Right. right. But everyone has to go through, um, has to go through the tunnel, so to speak, and uh, to get out on the other side, and it just takes wood shedding. Right, right. And I guess, yeah, so <clears throat> you would highly recommend some finger style uh, uh, experience first. Might Absolutely. Be, yeah. Absolutely. Now, I'm not saying that there's nothing against using a flat pick, and that's a great sound, some cool things you can do. And uh, <clears throat> I used to do a, a, a hybrid of using flat pick with the thumb and the first finger, and then finger pick with the second, third finger. And I did that on standard guitar. And uh, this was a natural thing to do from coming from, um, you know, having used the, um, the the usual approach of the thumb and the first three fingers that I learned from Chet. <clears throat> so there was a time when my slide playing was informing, you know, my regular guitar playing and vice versa. I think that really helped me, the fact that I did both. Um, for example, even in the years I was with John Hyatt, you know, I did both. And, um, yeah, I thought I saw you. Yeah, I thought I saw one of your shows. It was at the Bottom Line in New York all those years ago, um, and I could have sworn I saw you playing with a pick and then the dude, oh, yeah. the the, the oh, third yeah. and fourth finger. Yeah, yeah. Because what's weird is, uh, so I come from a finger style background originally. And, uh -huh. and worked really hard on that with the first, you know, thumb and first and second finger. Got pretty good at it. At least I developed my own style. I'm not, you know, uh -huh. Tommy Emanuel, but, um, and, you know, and I felt comfortable with that. So then I was like, well, 
oh man, you know, I see what Sonny's doing. Let me try that. And and here's a weird thing. And, and it's probably going to take a lot more work, even though I've been working on it for a few, at least two or three years now, is that when I do the thumb thing, if I wear a thumb pick, I can't do it. I can't do, I can do it with the bare thumb. And that's sort of kind of where I'm going now. But I tried it with the thumb pick and the bare fingers and I cannot cannot do what I do finger picking that way. So I went, yeah. So so then for like the last year, I kind of went to the pick and third and fourth fingers, and that was working pretty good. And it, like you said, it's definitely a sound. Um, now, when you say with the pick, do you mean with the flat pick? You're yeah. Playing like the thumb and, yeah, right, right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was working great. But what I started noticing as you get better, and this is something for uh, younger players who are coming up, this, this is good for them to think about too. And they should try all these things, obviously. But, um, you know, what I found out was, is when I switched back to finger picking on a, like an acoustic or whatever, I, I, I realized I was much more accurate with the thumb and first and second finger. Then with the pick and the third and fourth, because the fourth was the weak link, and I could I could practice, but it was it's not the same dexterity because it's not the same angle. Exactly, right. That's exactly what happened. And what you're doing is you, you're utilizing the thumb and the first finger in that in that um, um, the motion is you're gripping, and so when you so that limits that flexibility and limit so it makes you come in at a different angle whereas if you have the thumb is open right. and using the first second third fingers then it's a lot easier too to, to have the thumb guard the six five and four string and then the first second third fingers doing each you know the, the third string second string first string and that because of that angle now you've opened the wrist up more and anytime you do that you're you're op- you literally open up the sound of the instrument too because you're not mute you're not um i think it's just the range of motion it, it, it's somehow that um your hand is in a better position to let those strings ring you know like and that's what you want you want to open up the sound of the guitar and in particular with an acoustic guitar but it goes both ways for sure. Right, right, right. Yeah, that, that's, and that's... it's true. You know, you don't have to use a thumb pick. I, I do, and I sometimes I, I get tired of it. I use it, but there's so many things you can do percussively with a thumb pick, and then and I've gotten used to that I can bear down on just use it like a flat pick. And um, there's a tune I've called Uberesso. There's just no other way to do it. And, and um. But that, yeah, I mean, that's a great sound, just the thumb, I love it. You know, anytime you're using flesh on a string, it's way more soulful, way more expressive. Um, I agree. And uh, by doing that, too, you find all the touch tones, you know, different positions of each string. Uh, you can feel it a lot better, and um, like it just gives much more of a, a quality, a vocal quality, which is... The thing about slide guitar that... that that uh, reeled me in in the first place was that vocal quality, that lyrical aspect of it. Um, it's just really unlike anything else. And I did realize years later that both my blues heroes and my jazz heroes were all striving for uh, uh, in, in a common thread and that they all wanted to 
achieve that uh, vocal quality in their playing. Well, because every, you know, I, I talked to this uh, about this with somebody else, and I was very fortunate very early on in my career to learn that every great legendary song that we grew up singing, and even before that, they're horn charts. Right, a lot of them are. The, voc- the vocals are really horn charts, right? You know, and so so that's where I'm kind of moving towards now. And I tried to tell the, you know, I, I had these two students over here yesterday asking me questions about production and stuff and how to deal with vocalists. And I was like, man, it's all horn charts, you know. So, you know, and they were like, oh, we never thought of it that way. Never thought of that. You know, my first instrument was trumpet. Oh, and I played okay. that through, through college. So before I even began to play the guitar, I was talking to Robin Ford about this, and he he had the same experience. He started out on uh, saxophone, <clears throat> and I believe Steve Vai did too. I think he, I guess I know, started on trombone. But um, what that did is um, I had a different um, approach to. So I didn't take a guitar like balls to the wall, you know. You know I mean, it was it was more about <clears throat> thinking in terms of phrasing, so you have to take a breath on a wind instrument. Right. And that's all the great jazz musicians and uh, classical, too. And um, and much of what you're talking about with those charts, that's embedded in that because of, of that. When I mean, you have to take a breath, and it totally uh, changes your phrasing. And there's there's a, more that human quality to that mm-hmm. that literally and figuratively is, is breathe into the music itself so that um, you know my melodic lines were different than I was here in my head it's more like a horn uh, player and and slide really lends itself to that it's, it's much like it's own little horn section and uh, it's a complete because of the sustain and and other properties of it how that there physics of that works it just has more that, that vocal quality and that's that's what I you know with all those great horn players and it's very much the same thing there's a synchronicity there for sure that's why I think probably that's one of the big reasons like your playing swings a lot oh yeah that was a big influence I mean jazz no doubt yeah you have a lot <laughs> of swing in your in your groove um, you know, and so that that must come from the horn background too. Yeah, and when I was a kid, you know, when I first started hearing uh, with my folks that would go to to New Orleans, you know, the first I ever heard Dixieland jazz, uh, second line rhythms and R and B, and that's just that's a huge part of that. Um, and it comes from that. And I think um, it's and it's it helped me. I mean, because really. It, helped me to come at the guitar in a different in a different way i think that's really useful because i think one of that's what i've you know because what i'm trying to do with slide is like i guess you, you know you came from the blues and now you've taken it to a whole nother planet in my opinion but um i'm trying to i'm trying to develop it in a jazz context uh-huh. Um, so, so I'm kind of moving towards practicing only horn lines and and uh-huh. not even thinking about the blues. You dig? Um, yeah. Well, you know, uh, all the great jazz musicians would tell you the same thing. They, <clears throat> the heart, <clears throat> the heart of the music's from blues. You know. Yeah. 
it's at the core of everything. So that, if you think of the blues as sort of the, the not just the starting point, but as kind of it's the it's the soul of what you want to play. If you're gonna always have that element, and it'll always your playing's gonna be more soulful. So then you branch off into whatever genre. I mean, I love it. jazz. It's just uh, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I too, I love that. I love slide with that too. It <laughs> lends itself really well. I mean, it's a lot harder, but the, it's a lot harder. the swing <laughs> sensibility. <laughs> but then you, you're adding harmonically and uh, melodically and rhythmically. I mean, it's just more, more advanced. Uh, I mean, it's, that's the thing about it. It's more cerebral music, but at the same time, um, man, the, the possibilities are just sky's the limit, you know? Well, man, I really appreciate this, Sonny. This was so generous of you. Uh, you're the best, man. Oh, yeah. Well, man, all the best with everything, and something else comes to mind. It's a great shout, you know? Thanks, Thank buddy. God. I really, really appreciate it. So that was the amazing Sonny Landreth, Cats and Kittens, here on The Slide Area, episode six. I think this is probably going to be the last episode of 2016 as I continue to work on the book. Uh, this will go up in the middle of November or so. We'll see you again in January. I think our first episode of the new year will be uh, Debashish. Although it could be Jack Pearson, it could be Johnny Highland, it could be VM Bot, it could be Robert Randolph. I don't know. We're going to wait and see on that. I'll, 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 I'll keep you all in suspense. I apologize, but got to have some suspense in life. Makes it, makes it worth living on the edge. So we'll see you in January 2017 for Episode 7 of the Slide Area. I'm your host, Ed Pedersen, signing off. Have a great holiday season, everybody, and a happy new year. Take care.